How's everybody? Okay, one person's doing great. It's better than everybody not doing well, I guess. So um, let's look at Proverbs 23. I'm going to do two messages today. So if you hang around for the second service, you'll hear something totally different for a change. Proverbs 23, familiar scripture, um, verse 7, but I want to put it in its context. You've heard me do this before, but I want to do it again. Proverbs 23, verse 7, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. As he thinks in his heart, so is he. It's a verse that we use to teach positive thinking. Uh, it's a verse that we use to teach uh, how to change, right? And it's good. It, it's really been a good progression in the body of Christ because a lot of places still, uh, <laughs> they're stuck in what I would call behavior modification or a form of Christianity that's completely moralistic and based on admit it and quit it. And we call that repentance. <laughs> Not really, those aren't really biblical concepts, but that's kind of what's been out there. So then there was, you know, people like Joyce Myers and others who came along and began to talk about the battlefield for the mind and really began to look at if you want to change your behavior, you have to change your thinking. And, uh, of course, if you add faith to that, then you want to be thinking positive thoughts, right? And so we would use this verse to say, if you really want to bring about change, change the way you think, change from the inside out. Um, as you think in your heart, so are you. So if you're thinking negative thoughts about yourself, that's what you're going to manifest. If you're thinking positive thoughts about yourself, then you're going to be a positive person. And those are all really good things that have been brought to us over the years that I think have been helpful. But that is not what this verse is talking about. <laughs> because let's put it in its context. Let's just start in verse 1. <clears throat> When you sit down to eat with a ruler, consider carefully what is before you and put a knife to your throat if you are a man given to appetite. Do not desire his delicacies, for they are deceptive food. Do not overwork to be rich because of your own understanding. Cease. Will you set your eyes on that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings and fly away like an eagle toward the heavens. Do not eat the bread of a miser, nor desire his delicacies. For he thinks in his heart, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. So it's a perfect example of when I say the modern church has bursitis. Where we just have a thought and an idea and we try to find a verse to support it in order to make it valid and say the Bible says that. (laughs) Because when you read that verse in context, you don't get any of that stuff I just said. Because he's not advising you to change who you are on the inside to change who you are on the outside. He's telling you this is how what human nature is like. He's telling you that this miser is wearing a mask. He's telling you on the outside, eat and drink. But he's got something totally different going on in his heart. 
And you need to be able to be discerning between what's on the surface and is a mask and what's underneath the surface as the authentic self. And it's, it's not the mask that is the real person. It's what's going on underneath the surface, the fact that his heart isn't really with you. So he doesn't want to be a miser. He doesn't want to be perceived as a miser. So he's offering you something, but he's angry the whole time you're eating it because in his heart he really is a miser. And as he is in his heart, that's how he really is. Do you see that's what the verse is teaching there? And so part of a huge part of progression in our lives, especially as Christians, but this is just across the board for anybody, uh, is to be able to have an authentic self where the exterior and the interior are consistent and congruent. And we would actually call that integrity. Because the word integrity comes from the word integer, which means to be whole or to have everything corresponding. So if I'm putting on something out here, but I've got something different going on in here, I'm uh, disintegrating, literally. I'm disintegrated. Right? And so really, a lot of what Jesus teaches, a lot of what the, the spiritual journey is about, and the, the place of, of wholeness and spiritual health and mental and emotional health and well-being is this integration between what's going on, what you're presenting out here and what's going on in here. And also what this is telling us is that your authentic self is buried in your heart. So a lot of people end up wearing so many masks, they don't know who their authentic self is. And, and they don't know how to discover who that authentic self is. And that authentic self is buried in the heart. So in order to find your true self in Christ, you have to be able to have access to your heart. Make sense? So with that in mind, come with me to Ephesians chapter 4. And I'm going to do something very practical today to help us. I'll give you some stuff to practice, not just information, but something you can take home and do. Okay. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord... That you, as a believer, should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. Now, this is the better translation of the ones that are out there, in my opinion. Because he doesn't say, in the futility of their thinking. He says, in the futility of their mind. So, in other words... You shouldn't be walking out of your mind at all. So if there is a battlefield for the mind, that's your problem. You're fighting on the wrong battlefield as a believer, according to the Apostle Paul. Because you shouldn't be walking in the futility of your mind. You get it? See, we worry about our thoughts... We try to change our thoughts, replace good thoughts with bad thoughts and all this stuff and pull down thoughts and all this stuff with thoughts. 
And Paul says, get out of your thoughts. There's no power in your thoughts. Up here, anyway. Because the heart thinks, according to the Bible. As a man thinks in his heart. So see, if I'm presenting generosity, but I'm a miser, or if there's any kind of disintegration, I'm acting like I like you when I don't, or acting like I don't like you when I do, that's a better way to say it, there's different minds. The guy who's being a miser, something's going on somewhere, some kind of thinking is going on somewhere that's generous. But then there's a different thinking that's happening somewhere else that's miserly, stingy. Right? So, and, and so what the scripture's saying is you have an intelligence in your heart. You have a mind in your heart. And actually modern science, cutting edge modern, modern science, is proving that. The way they discovered it is really interesting was when they started doing heart transplants. And when they started doing heart transplants, people started inheriting the memories of the people whose heart they got. They started changing their likes and dislikes to match the donor. There were people who even, I mean, this don't get too freaked out about this, but there have been lots of case studies. There was even one lady in a case study that I read whose sexual preference changed when she got a new heart. Interesting, huh? So they began to look at this and say, why is this happening? And so now they talk about the heart brain or the brain that's in the heart. But the Bible was saying that a long time ago, that you have thinking in your heart. So we're trying to fight the battlefield in the mind. There is thoughts there, but those thoughts have no power because they have no real authenticity. Because it's not as you think in your mind, it's as you think in your heart that you are. So Paul's saying, get out of the futility of your mind. I know this is pretty radical. I'm going to show you how to do this. Having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. Listen to this. This is totally different than, we, than I was taught to think as an evangelical in the last 20 years. This I say, therefore, in testifying the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God, not because of their sins and God's angry, not because uh, they sinned and God broke fellowship. I mean, we come up with all kinds of stuff and it's not even in the scriptures. Because they're alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. They're not alienated from the life of God because they don't have the life of God. There is no such thing as life that is not from God. Otherwise, you're saying there's another source. So they're alienated from the life of God, not because they don't have it. Not because they're spiritually dead and not because they're separated from God because of their sins. 
Paul is saying they are alienated from the life of God because their heart is blind and they're ignorant in their heart. So here's the idea. The heart becomes darkened and they become blinded. So if the heart is dark, they don't know their authentic self. Therefore, they are cut off from the self that God made. (laughs) Therefore, they're alienated from the life of God and they have no choice but to vacate the heart and live out of the mind. Who being past feeling, or who being past having the ability to feel, have given themselves over to lewdness to work all cleanness with ungreediness. See, Paul is not saying admit it and quit it. If you're lewd and unclean and whatever, he's not saying just stop it and everything will be all right and God will feel better about you. He's saying you're doing these things because your being, your very being, your very person is malfunctioning. And the reason your person is malfunctioning is because you're alienated from your heart in two specific ways, maybe three. You're alienated in terms of understanding, you're blind and you can't see, and you can't feel. So you've been evicted from the seat of the true self where the life of God is. And the only place you had to go was in your mind. And so now you're trying to feel whole using all this other stuff out here to try to compensate for the fact that you're not living authentically. And praying the sinner's prayer won't fix it. (laughs) And confessing your faults to somebody won't fix it. But you, verse 20, but you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. He didn't say, please, please, I don't have an extra grind. I'm just trying to help us shift our thinking. He didn't say because you're not in your word every day. Or you're not reading the Bible or you're not doing your daily devotionals. He's saying, He's saying the Christian life really is that you've heard him, not heard about him. But you have heard him and you've been taught by him, not about him, by him. (laughs) Do you see it? As the truth is in Jesus and then he goes on that you put off your old man, which is the, the mask. And become renewed and put on the new man. You see it? So basically, a major key. To, so, so and, and let me back up just a, just a tad. In Ephesians 3, this is Ephesians 4. In Ephesians 3, Paul had just finished saying, I'm praying for you that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. So where are you supposed to hear Jesus and be taught by Jesus? From your own heart. So the life of God is there, the authentic self is there, and the voice of God is there. But if you're evicted, 
you're alienated from the life of God and you're walking in the futility of your mind. And then we, ha- <laughs> and then we say, well, just fight the battlefield for your mind and you'll feel better. When really what needs to happen is you need to find the heart. So here's what's interesting. There is no Hebraic word. There's no Hebrew word. There's no, I did this study at least a year ago, maybe longer. There's nothing in the Hebrew that suggests that a person's consciousness, their awareness, their thoughts, whatever, is located in the head. It is always the heart. Now, we translate some things heart now that aren't heart. Sometimes it's the liver. In Hebrew, sometimes it's the kidneys. And sometimes it's the, it's the bowels. In fact, in 1 John, it talks about having uh, the bowels of compassion. We've changed it because we don't like that. (laughs) But think about it. From Hebraic perspective, everything that you're expressing comes from here and not here. So think about it. When you get bad news, I feel kicked in the stomach. And I'm nervous. I've got butterflies in my stomach. When I'm in love, it's not usually just a mental thing, usually. I'm feeling it. That's why we use hearts for Valentine's Day. Because we still recognize this stuff, right? So they were way more aware of what's happening on these levels, then what's going on up here? Right? So if we are going to pray, we have to find our heart. If we're not praying from our hearts, we're praying out of our heads and it's futile. And that's why a lot of people don't get their prayers answered. Because they're distressed, they're anxious, they're wanting something, desiring something, but they're do- everything is this mental activity. And then to make matters worse, we teach Christians that their hearts are deceitful and wicked. And I did a whole teaching on that a few weeks ago where I, it's not what that verse even says in the original language. But we get taught that, so we, we, we stay further alienated from our hearts. So, that makes sense? So there are some things. Now, I've, I've struggled with how do I teach this. Those of you that came to the Journey into the Heart of God class, we spent a lot of time trying to help you get into your heart. And it's like I'm trying to articulate something that I'm getting by revelation and from the Holy Spirit. So Julie and I go in first part of November to... Um, get away for our anniversary, and I take her to a little conference, too, so we can get, you know, fed. And the guy that's presenting there uh, works with an organization called Heart Math, like heart arithmetic, Heart Math. And you can go to their website. And they have discovered that they've done all this study on the intelligence that's in the heart. And they've discovered how to read your biofeedback. Does everybody understand what I mean by biofeedback? In other words, your, if you get frightened, your uh, breathing changes. 
your heart rate changes. And it's enough of a pattern that's consistent enough for humanity that they can tell, based on the physiological changes that are happening, uh, whether or not you're afraid. That would be biofeedback. You don't have to tell them I'm afraid. They can hook you up to a machine and say, oh, you're afraid because we have this happen. That's how a lie detector test works. A lie detector test is totally based on biofeedback and the changes that happen physiologically to you when you tell a lie. It's, it's a biofeedback thing. So heart math has developed this biofeedback program that you can buy or you can get little uh, it'd be funny if we all had these you can get they're, they're about a hundred bucks you can get these little things that uh, you can carry with you and it's perfect it's designed to give you biofeedback to tell you when you're in your heart so here I spent this whole class like struggling like how do I help people find their hearts right and then they've developed a method that's way more sophisticated, a lot easier. And I didn't even know what the conference was going to be about. Isn't it funny how God leads you? There's a whole lot easier to teach you how to get into your heart. And then if you buy this little thing, it'll measure it percentage-wise. You're 70% in your heart, 45% in your heart, or 100% in your heart. And they call it heart coherence. Now, what's interesting is all the health benefits that come when you get to a place of heart coherence. Three minutes, according to heart math, of heart coherence will change all the chemistry in your body, release anti-aging chemicals, boost your immune system. Why? Because you're because just by finding your heart for three minutes, you're finding the life of God. And so literally your youth is being renewed and they can measure this. Now, if you were here a few weeks ago and I apologize if you weren't, I showed you one of the experiments that HeartMath did. One of the experiments that HeartMath did is fascinating. And we kind of did it when we were in New Mexico, too, is they have a computer randomly select images and they would hook you up to this biofeedback thing. And they picked images that were not. um, And and when I say disturbing, I don't mean it in a negative way like you think about it. If, If water is still and I brush my finger across it, I've disturbed it. If if birds are in a nest by my house and I walk by and they notice I've disturbed it. So I'm not talking about disturbing like I just mean something that's going to stir the waters. All right. So they had disturbing images. So it could be images of war and pain, but it could also be they had uh, other images as well that would just Uh, exciting images, sporting events, things like that. Whatever would disturb the heart. You you understand how I'm using that word? And then they had other images that were not disturbing. Nature scenes, uh, just very, maybe just a crowd of people, something that was just very benign, everyday kind of stuff. 
And the computer would take six seconds, uh, or however many seconds, it was six seconds, I think, for the image to appear once it had randomly selected it. And they measured people's heart response before the picture came. And what they discovered was when it was going to be a disturbing picture, the heart was preparing for it seconds before the, or before the image was even selected. So somehow the heart was able to anticipate and know what was coming before it was even picked by the computer to show up. There's a whole uh, group out there, uh, Institute of Noetic Sciences, that has been doing research on intuition, precognition, things like this. This would be called precognition. The ability to know the future would be precognition. All of that's located in the heart. So when you access your heart, not only are you promoting your health, not only are you getting younger, not only are you finding your authentic self, not only are you finding the voice of Jesus, but you're finding the gateway into the ability to know what's coming before it shows up so that you can be ready, so that you can anticipate when you, when you find your heart, you'll find that people you're connected to in your heart, people that you have feelings for, you will have a sense of what's going on with them sometimes even before the event happens. I'll give you an example. Uh, driving home last Sunday. Driving home last Sunday. And it's easy when, when you're out of your mind. <laughs> it's easier to get in your heart. So when I drive, I check out. I check out a lot, but like everything, the, the nervous system's all working. So if there's anything dangerous, I respond, but it's all on autopilot. You, you, all, you guys know what I'm talking about, right? You ever drive home and think, wow, I don't remember turning back there. That's me a lot. And so I'm just driving home and I am enjoyed the service. We had a powerful service. We had miracles. Second service, we had people healed, conditions and stuff and and so I'm feeling good about things, and I'm driving home, and I come up on a pedestrian. And normally I wouldn't think it's, it's common, especially on Sundays, to see people walking the roads out there where we live. And I, normally I wouldn't think anything of it, but all of a sudden I got alarmed, and I thought about Julie and the boys uh, driving behind us. And I just got alarmed when I saw this pedestrian and got worried about them driving. Uh, and so I just began to pray, Lord, watch over them. And they're only, you know, maybe five minutes at the most behind me. And so Julie gets home and she says, man, did you see that pedestrian? And I said, yeah. She said, it was the weirdest thing. She said, I was going the normal speed, maybe speeding a little bit. She has kind of lead foot. She won't admit it. She'll get mad for me saying it, but she kind of does. And, and she says, I came upon that pedestrian and I just all of a sudden I thought, I really need to slow down. And so she said, I just slowed down. And she said, the speed limit, whatever it is out there, I don't even know. <laughs> it's like the road I take every day to get home. And she said, and I thought, I'm just going to slow down a little bit more. And so she slows down, very out of character for her. She slows down 10 miles below the speed limit. Well, she comes up on an intersection there, Woodstock Drive. She comes up on the intersection. And as she's coming up, a truck is flying top speed through the intersection, and she's like right here, and the truck just 
flies, runs the stop sign, didn't even see her, just flies right through right through that intersection. And she's like, if I hadn't seen that pedestrian and I hadn't slowed down, we would have probably gotten T-boned and Elijah was riding on that side. It would have gone really bad for him. That was just last Sunday. So it was just being in my heart, being able to practice and have access to information from my heart that allowed me to anticipate an event and make intercession. And then, do you see how it connected even with the pedestrian? That's the power of your heart. So would you like to learn how to get there? (laughs) Okay, so I'll give you some steps. You can get the message. Um, So the first thing you have to do is actually be aware of this space, this location, just like real estate. You have physical real estate. And what do they say in real estate? What do they say, Mary? Location, 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 right? So if your awareness is up here, you're in your mind. Now, you're generally aware of your whole body, so don't think you're going to vacate this. But it's what you're focusing on the most. That's the key, all right? So you're still going to have thoughts going on up here, so don't think, well, because I have thoughts, I'm not in my heart. I can still feel my toes. I don't expect to be cut off from that sensation. If I stub it, I'm still going to feel it. So if there's something that happened up here, it's still going to be going on, right? But your focus is here. And so one of the ways you can do that is just take your fingertips or your hands or whatever and just place it right here. You've already started, just by doing that, just by that physical touch on your heart, you've already started to find your heart. Now, the other thing they found out was that being relaxed and restful, it's easier to find your heart. And so according to heart math, and this works, I've done the biofeedback stuff. It's really cool. We'll bring it sometime on a Wednesday night and you guys can try it out. But you have to slow your breathing and take long, deep breaths. So what you want to do is you want to focus on that and just take um, about five seconds. Take a breath in, just counting one, two, three, four, five, and then exhale one, two, three, four, five. And just do that a few times. One, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five. And just do that five, six, seven breaths. Now, just think about something, someone that you are thankful for. Something or someone that you have appreciation for. And hold that thought, image, idea, person in your heart.
And that's all there is to it. So you can take that. As long as you're able to feel the feeling of appreciation, that's the key. To be able to feel the feeling. Because remember Paul said, being past feeling gave themselves over. Now, why do you, why do you think appreciation or a positive feeling like that is so important? Because... There is a reason that you vacated your heart. So if you're thinking a troubling thought, you're not going to want to go there. You're going to want to leave. Make sense? So when you're creating that feeling of appreciation, all you're doing is creating an an inviting living space for you to come and dwell in. So you can almost think about your heart having to host your mind as a guest. And appreciation is the heart's hospitality to the mind. So you don't just, here's the thing, you you cannot just barge into your heart. It doesn't work. You cannot force your heart. It doesn't work. So when you create that restful place, that relaxed place, and that feeling of appreciation, you're opening your door to host these other parts of you and welcome them in so that you can talk. Does that make sense to you? I'll tell you, I've got just a couple more minutes. One of the ways I know this, the early, the, the, the Jewish mystics and the early Christians were not hung up on the story of the Garden of Eden on whether or not we came from apes. That wasn't how they were reading the story. (laughs) They actually understood the Garden of Eden to be symbolic of the heart, which is why there are four rivers (laughs) flowing out of Eden, because you have four chambers pumping the rivers of your blood to the rest of your earth. In the Hebraic, it says God rested Adam in the garden. Outside the garden, then, is the eviction from the heart to the mind where you have to force the ground. You have to force life to produce for you. And you do it by the sweat of your brow. So if you're freaking out trying to find your heart and you're like, I'm just, I gotta find it, I gotta find it, I gotta find it, I'm so frustrated I can't find it, you're working too hard. That's life outside the garden. You have to rest 
back into Eden. Which is also why Adam's day is the Sabbath. God finished man on the sixth day, rested on the seventh day. He rested Adam in the garden to show us. So man had to keep the Sabbath as a picture to say, here's how you worship. And here's the pathway back into fellowship. It comes by rest. And Eden is called delight. So when I am in a restful state, and when I am in a deliberately delightful state, I'm finding my way out of the toil of working into the sacred space of my heart where I can connect with my authentic self made in the image of God without fig leaves and aprons. Where the voice of God is walking with me in the cool of the day. See that picture? You can carry it over to Cain and Abel. Because when you get out of sorts with your brothers and sisters, you further alienate yourself from your heart. And go even further into the land of Nod, which in the Hebrew connects with the head. And we want to know, who is Cain's wife? It's not talking about that. It's giving you a map for your spiritual journey to help you understand what's going on with you. And it's also why forgiveness is key. When you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive them. Why? Because your heart won't work to move the mountain and answer prayers and create a new future if you're alienated from your heart through bitterness and strife and unforgiveness. You're being like Cain. Instead of being a keeper of sheep. It's the same word. When Adam said, when God told Adam, keep the garden, and Abel kept sheep. When Adam gets thrown out of the garden, he has to toil the soil. (laughs) Didn't mean to make that rhyme. He has to work the ground through force. Abel was a keeper of sheep. Cain worked the soil. Abel represents the man in the heart. Cain represents... The man in the head. And if you let the man in the head lead, he's going to kill the man in the heart because the heart is not violent. Which is why Jesus emphasized a nonviolent approach to life because it's the only way you could really live out of your heart. Are you breathing? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, your goodness, your grace, your power, your authority in our lives. We ask, Lord, uh, thank you for this little exercise that we can learn. 
from science. Thank you for heart math, all the stuff that's available to us today. Lord, I bless your people. I bless this word. May it go forth and bear fruit in Jesus name. Amen.